Welcome to The Extra Unordinary, a podcast where extra people talk unordinary media. Welcome, welcome. Tonight with me, I have my buddy, Andrew. Hi. How you doing tonight, Andrew? I'm good, man. I'm very flattered because uh, you asked me to be the first like interview. I know. Tonight, instead of a movie discussion, we are going to have an interview with <gasps> Andrew Shearer of Gonzorific. I don't even know how to react to this. I mean, I've it's always like the first time every time I get interviewed because I'm not a preparer. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the first interview you ever did? Oh, man. For it, like a podcast or a newspaper or just as a filmmaker or an artist? God, I don't even. Oh, man, you're asking me to dig deep, buddy. But I did tell you <laughs> you can ask me anything. So this this is right now. This is my this is my fault. Uh, as he, <laughs> well, as one, he, so, sorry, go one ahead. That's earlier on that you can remember, man. Well, um, like getting the recorder out for, as professional, uh, an early one I remember doing was, um, Zoe Bell, who is a stunt woman. Uh, she was, she did, she did stunts for Xena warrior princess and then went on to do stunts for, uh, uh, Uma Thurman and Kill Bill, and then oh um, yeah, she's a badass. Yeah, she was at the time promoting a show called The Angel of Death, and was on Crackle. See, it's now all coming back to me. Um, and uh, um, she also was in this this movie Death Proof. Uh, she was yeah. like as herself, not just as a stunt person, but actually as herself. And in in um uh, an Angel of what I call it, Angel of Death, it was something like that. Um, she was uh. She was the star of that. So, you know, these were, but anyway, um, it was one of those press junket things where, um, you know, the, you get like a, either a manager calls you or you get a number to call or a press person does, and they connect you directly with Zoe. So she, I did not get her actual phone number. Um, it's funny. You wouldn't believe the people who, who actually, who I get their actual cell phone number and you just force yourself to stay professional and not just call it. You know, just randomly, yeah. like later. <laughs> but uh, they trust you. That's but yeah, good. but it was yeah, it was Zoe Bell, and I just remember being so. I was writing at the time. It was before I was writing for the newspaper. It was when I was writing for this website called uh, Fangirl Tastic, and it was all about women in science fiction and horror. That's really cool, man. It was it was cool. She was great. She was extremely funny. And uh, younger than I realized, but um, she has since done this film called Raze, R-A-Z-E, I think it was. Um, she's like a, she gets put in this weird, like woman's underground fight prison or something like that. I <laughs> uh, would love to talk to her about that sometime. But yeah, that was the first one. And, uh, you know, I'd written a ton of questions, but then you only end up getting to ask, like, depending on how mouthy the person is, you may only yeah. ask the first one. You know, but then, <laughs> but sometimes they're really quiet, and it's difficult. I've had some um, that were really, really difficult too. Um, but as far as people interviewing me uh, for Gonzorific, I don't. A lot of them were zines and stuff, so very few like in person and on the phone interviews. It was mostly like, yeah, like some zine would would email me questions, and then it would get cut and pasted and all punk rock, you know. I, I have been interviewed by women's studies students at the University of Georgia on more than one occasion. Those are my oh, favorites. That's cool. Those are my favorites. That's awesome. Oh. Yeah, because Gonzorific is 
very female heavy and very female important and centric and empowering. Yep. That's, uh, that was my, that was my design from the get go. That was what I wanted to use my, my privilege for. (laughs) Well, you know, there's a lot of talk recently with everything going on in politics, especially around America, that people who are in a place of privilege should use that privilege to help others. Mm -hmm. It's true. If you, uh, you know, I just watched this video of, uh, of this man um, who was this white guy was um, yelling at these uh, women for speaking Spanish in a public place in America. And of course, you know, now we've just kind of, the past couple of years picked up the rock and saw what was underneath it, <laughs> things that were there yeah. all the time. But now we can all see the, the wiggling, uh, you know, garbage. And stuff. I, I don't know. That sounds like I'm talking bad about worms. Worms didn't do anything to anybody. You know what I mean, though? <laughs> worms uh, are cool. But, but there's a lot of. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, but there's people just standing there, not saying a thing while this is all going on and you're thinking like, you know, what would it take just to, just to step in and just be like, Hey, uh, you know, die. <laughs> so I, 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 I just knew early on, um, from being in punk rock and seeing how much of a boys club, um, the music scene was, this was in Atlanta and, um, and then getting into filmmaking and there were so few, uh, women filmmakers and, uh, even in independence, men were just writing movies about themselves. They were telling their own experience. And uh, I was just like, well, God, why is that interesting? Because that's my experience as a man is I don't need that told back to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't I don't need to know how hard it is to be some geek or whatever or to be heartbroken or angry or what i don't need to know that i don't need to know some other dude's anger and heartbreak i'm glad he needs to express that but not for nothing but i i was just like i met so many incredible women on on the music scene who are just like you know girlfriends or supporters or something like that and i was like you want to do you want to i wanted to form a band with a lot of them really but like they didn't play anything yeah, they didn't play anything, a lot of them, or they, you know, are like a little too shy to get on stage. Not everybody wants to be a punk rock musician. And good, because. <laughs> I want my own rock band. You should have one. You should totally have one. It's, if I always say, if I could do it, anybody could do it. But the truth is, that's the attitude of a I privileged say that person. I as well. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, I could, by, by making movies, I can involve all these cool people. And my immediate thing was like, okay, once I learn how to turn the camera on and get it in focus and then how to get it onto a computer and edit it together and then spit back out, let's start telling whatever stories you're interested in. So from the very beginning, I, I wanted uh, no men on screen or as little men on screen as possible. Or if there had to be a man on screen, usually he was murdered um, because he you know, was horrible or did something horrible. Um, I just made the things that I wanted to see with the people that I wanted to see. And as luck would have it, my life has been full of movie stars like you. Uh, Yeah. uh, Andrew directed a film I was in back in October and wow, is it something? And I, I say this a lot, but I want to say this on recording. It was the greatest pleasure being a part of that experience. 
<laughs> oh, thanks, man. Uh, well, for those who've who've not seen it because it's not been released yet, because I'm I'm perpetually like a year behind with all the the movies that get put out. Because the current one that's out now, Space Boobs in Space, those movies are from like 2015 through 2017. Or twenty okay. something like that. I don't know. So I'm, you know, I take some time to put together. Like you know, it takes me a while to put together a, a whole movie um, because of the way I like to do it. But the movie was called uh, "The Werewolf Turned Into a Person," and the dialogue was all uh, conversations that I had um, taken down in my notes on my phone uh, that had happened between um, my at the time four year old daughter and I. And so Addison's character and uh, D Flowers. The the incredible intergalactic illustrious multi everything deflowered. Um, she's wonderful. She's everything. She and Addison took turns. She's um, so awesome. Like saying this crazy dialogue, things that an actual four year old child had said. And the wonderful thing about it, the thing that I'll always remember, was that uh, your attitude was so good, and you came in and took it seriously. This ridiculous thing, without a second thought. And you just did everything <laughs> and every suggestion that D had everything that we threw at each other. No one knew. I mean, you guys knew what you're going to say basically um, in the car before we shot and you read all your dialogue into recorder so that we could, you know, get the clean sound and all that. It was just so run and gun and so gorilla and so DIY. Um, this is not a professional production. And yet <laughs> you just, you dug, you dug right in like you'd always done it. I had no clue um, that that uh, that you were like anything but uh, a seasoned veteran of filmmaking. It was <laughs> it was great experience. I had such fun, and it meant a lot to me because that project was personal and yes. also ridiculous. But the yes, coolest part was... of all was that later, when the Trio Art Gallery, which had just opened in Athens, um wanted to do a screening of my film, Bad Girl Dracula. They said, could you please also bring the werewolf turned into a person? Because <laughs> <laughs> they'd, been, they'd been at the October screening, at, uh, the premiere that had that film, and they loved it. And so they specifically, this art gallery specifically asked that I bring that movie as well that you were in. Yeah, I, I was so disappointed I couldn't make that. There was snow, if you can believe it, in Atlanta, and I just could not drive out that far. Now that we, we got an amazing break in the weather for that show because just the day before, the ground was icy. And yeah. Ath Athens just so happened to thaw out just in time. It was like, a, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think Fritz in that vehicle he's got made it out. But when does Fritz not make it out to things? Fritz is great. He has to be, he, he, he makes it a point to be at things. I always see him. I'm always surprised like, dude, how did you make it to this? But he does have a really cool car. I've, I've never seen his car. I, I think his car would survive uh, the zombie apocalypse. It just seems, I believe old, that. it just seems tactical. You know, I believe that <laughs> that's how I'll put it. His, his vehicle seems tactical. All right. I want to go back to uh, when I met you. I met Andrew at a film screening at Buried Alive, Buried Alive Film Festival in 2012. And I was there with some friends that had worked at the haunted house with me. 
and I had worked with someone who starred in Andrew's film, May of the Dead. So I saw that movie and it was so well made, so well acted. The script was great and just stood out to me. And I remember going up to my friend Joy, Joy Wood at the time. Um, she has since gotten married and has a different surname now. And I went up to her and I was like, oh my God, that was that was the best thing I've seen at this film festival. That was amazing. You were amazing. She was like, oh, thank you. Do you want to meet the director? I was like, so nervous. And so like, uh, okay. And then I met you. Uh, Joy introduced me to you. And you were just the coolest person. You still are the coolest person. Oh, thanks, man. I remember it. I remember it very well because uh, I was nervous too. Uh, May of the Dead was a drama which was well outside my comfort zone as a filmmaker. I'm usually the one that makes the crazy cleavage filled, you know, movies that are basically just, you know, five to 30 minute butt jokes. And so to make a movie like may of the dead was a huge risk um, to get it accepted to a film festival was like, I, I couldn't believe it because it had already been turned down by several uh, who said it was too long. And so uh, the audience seemed to enjoy it. But you can't ever really kind of tell because you don't clap, you don't laugh at a drama, so you don't hear screams. I didn't know how it was working, you know what I mean? I couldn't tell the temperature of the crowd. So when Joy came over to me and said, hey, my friend wants to meet you, my first question was, why? (laughs) 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 Because I I was like, do I I couldn't have possibly seemed like a a funny or fun person after seeing that movie, you know? Um, but I remember walking over to meet you and just being worried that I would make a, a good impression because clearly all you knew of me was that I'd made a movie that you liked. But also part of me goes like, ah, oh, she didn't really want to meet me. Her friend like made her. I She's she's just like, oh, I guess. No, I wanted to meet you. Know you. What I mean? <laughs> but you know those feelings you have where you're just like, yeah, no, I, they don't. They don't. They don't like me. Um. I'm me. What could, why could a stranger possibly want to speak with me? I don't like talking to strangers, you know? (laughs) So, but I, I remember that. I remember that. (laughs) I remember that very well. That was, that may have been the last time the Plaza showed any of my movies actually. Well, you know, Atlanta. Yeah. I think they got bought out shortly. Yeah. And they buried alive is done elsewhere uh, by other people. And uh, I can remember like uh, submitting something and my movies had played that festival uh, every single time since they began. And uh, they didn't want the movies. And uh, I was like, oh, well, you know, I guess, you know, it's possible they just got too many or, you know, my style doesn't fit or my movie isn't the right. You know, there's any number of reasons why your movie doesn't get into a festival. I know because I run my own festivals. Um, But then someone said, your movie didn't get in. We'll send it next year. I'll make sure it gets in. And then it didn't. And I was like, well, okay, maybe I'm just not a festival person, (laughs) you know, which is fine. Uh, I don't need to be the film festival is I'm not in the movie industry. So what, what would it matter to see, you know, show my movie to a bunch of people in an industry I'm not a part of. So, um, but you think about those little moments and go, well, hell had it not been for joy saying that I would have never met you and we wouldn't be talking now. So who knows? I'm always, I'm always thankful for the experience, even though I don't quite understand why it happened, especially sometimes when they're bad. (laughs) I go, why did I do it? If I would have just stayed home and eaten ice cream and watched YouTube, this would have never happened to me. 
but you don't necessarily know that right away. You have to let it sit for a while and find out why, you know. <laughs> I actually considered not going because I couldn't really afford it at the time. I was still living at home and I didn't have a job, but my friends really wanted me to c- come out. So I went mm-hmm. out and I'm really ended glad up I making did, a piece of art together. It's not only a, mi- a milestone for us and our relationship, but also. Yeah. A big part of my family history because that was the, you know, the first like, you know, dialogues written by my kid, you know, in the manner of speaking. So that will, no, nothing will ever change that. And that's, that's a part of history. It's very, very cool. And, you know, I always just go like, uh, friends are the family that you choose. So that's a really yeah. important thing too. So try not to, try, try not to, uh, lose sight of that either sometimes so it's i just you know i like doing stuff and i definitely like your that you started doing podcasting because that's that's at least keeping you in the creative arts you know so like cool cool Uh, i've wanted to do that for quite a few years and i finally just said fuck it i'm gonna do it yeah if nobody does it with me i'll record by myself (laughs) you gotta be able to man i I mean what is a what is a host but a, a motor mouth you know <laughs> exactly and you know um you know mm-hmm. i announced it on my facebook and i added people into a group and, and now including myself there's about well including you as well there's about six people who have been on so far and yeah we've recorded six episodes but one's not going to be aired because well it might get aired later but it was really rough because we were just like i'm uh-huh. just gonna do this there was Nothing set. It was about the shape of water. And like, there's probably a really lot of really uh, funny moments, but, and it's not the content that's bad. It's the audio. So I got it. I have no clue. I'm, I don't do very much editing uh, with the podcast that. that I do. I just try to, you know, sound semi coherent and hope for the best, you know? <laughs> I was like, I don't really edit a lot. I'll cut some stuff out. That's, that's typical. I, I will cut out. The older I get, the more absent-minded I get, and I'll just say something that's completely wrong. I'll say the wrong name, you know. I'll I'll say uh, Sam Neil when I meet when I when I mean Sam Elliot and things like that, and I'll chop that so I don't sound like a you know. I mean, I'm I'm paid to be some sort of film authority, so like, <laughs> but uh, I have done very little in the way of podcasting about Gonzorific. I can tell you for for sure, I have maybe been interviewed about Gonzorific on podcast maybe five times. And that's in, oh gosh, we started making movies in t- officially in 2003. And podcasting has been around since what, like 06, 07 for me anyway. So yeah, only, yeah, only, only a small handful of times has anybody wanted to talk yeah. to me about them. You know, and the last person that Talk to me was uh, uh, Astro Radio Z, and I was on the Bloodlust also. So it's all been very, very recent. Oh, yeah. Can I just say thank you? Can I say thank you for introducing me to the Bloodlust? Because they are probably my favorite horror podcast. And I've listened to a lot of podcasts, try- specifically horror movie podcasts. Well, hey, you know, that's uh, Amy's hard work. Amy is extremely sharp, wonderful person, really cool, fun to talk to, knows everything. And the thing is this, I'm not actually the biggest horror movie fan. Like, I don't watch a lot of it. And so, um, I oftentimes use the Bloodlust as my, like, guidebook 
so I know like what to watch because there's so much of it out there, you know? And so if, if they did an episode on one, I'm like, okay, either this is a brand new movie and it's out in theaters and every yeah. horror fan's talking about it, or this is some independent thing that somehow crossed their path and I got to check that out. So, um, and the reason why them, as opposed to any other horror podcast as well, I've listened to many and I like almost none because you have to like the people you're listening to, you know? And, um, Amy and I just happen to get along extremely well. Like we could talk for hours, hours, hours. What you have heard of her, uh, talking to me specifically, um, is just a small slice of how much airtime we've actually spent. We just like a lot of the same music and art and things like that. And so, but yes, everybody, the bloodlust, oh, that's so excellent. Cool. And I, I guess the the podcast is for horror fans who don't, <laughs> who are not like rabid horror fans. I have to say, I'm not, not the biggest horror fan anymore. I don't think I am either, mm-hmm. which is really surprising to me because, like, I used to just want to watch every single horror movie I came across. And I did uh, when I was in high school. And yeah. after I got out of high school, just watched tons and tons and tons of horror movies. Well, horror it's media. like they they make the same amount of great ones, I think still, but they make a lot more ones that are just really not that great than they used to. I guess it's just the law of averages. I don't know. But the ones I do see for the most part, I end up loving them, you know, so and the horror movies I do. Yeah. I am into, I have great passion for. So, but no, as a category, no. And, um, yeah, especially like the, you know, it's gotten really bro y. And, uh, the, you know, as far as like yeah. the fandom is concerned, very entitled. And, uh, That's- I can tell you for sure that, um, the, the, the men, yeah, men have left me on my movies, on Gonzerific movies, some really, really awful comments and reviews and stuff especially since they've been on amazon prime uh it's been an interesting experience (laughs) well i had to kind of keep it yeah i've read some on the amazon site there i'm just gonna say it shortly these guys have a lot well it kind of goes back to you know some of that other stuff we were talking about with just kind of the way things are and all the way of kind of like you know, these people have felt emboldened and these people have been exposed for what they really are is because uh, growing up as a, you know, hetero white dude, a lot of entertainment was like aimed right at me and made specifically for me. And most of it, I would have to say was. And so when that tide begins to turn and a lot of entertainment begins to come out that uh, is not only for more than just us, but maybe isn't for us specifically, or perhaps not at all. Um, what does it? What happens to a child when they aren't being catered to? When they aren't being like served? When they're being like maybe even ignored or passed over? Yeah. Kick, scream, punch, cry, lash out. You know, they're absolutely privileged and spoiled, and so you know that's what we're seeing. Uh, these these men that have seen my movies and not to complain because every review positive or negative equals attention for the film in terms of Amazon's algorithm. So yeah. space boobs in space specifically, it went everywhere and it got recommended to tons of people, even though it has like, you know, like over half um, one star ratings. Exactly. It doesn't matter. They were giving <laughs> attention to my film. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, that's why a lot of the really Yeah. So, bad no, I'm not making movies for them and um they don't know how to process it. They seem really they seem really like like it's my responsibility to bring areolas to their to their movie screen. I like I don't understand what's the fixation on that. I I just don't get it. You know, like why do you need to see a nipple? Why is that the big, you know what I mean? That seems to be their biggest gripe, you know? <laughs> it's like all right, for one thing, <laughs> you can't tell me you don't know where to find a you know a I video know, for of them. One. There's no nipple you know, in a movie. You can't tell How me can that. they go on? But the fact that they feel like they're owed it somehow from me, like like you know, there's this expectation of it. That's really like that's really like the root of the problem. It's scary, you know. Oh yeah, it is very scary because as a woman who dates men, it can be really scary. Mm. To talk to men sometimes because like some men have the expectation that if you talk to them, you're interested in them. Yeah. Well, it's because everything's about them. I like I'm not interested in most things, so I don't want them to take it personally, but they still do. (laughs) And I'm not like saying I'm the hottest thing ever. Everybody wants to talk to me, but still, it's just the male entitlement I've seen, especially around fandom whether it be horror fandom or like plain geek fandom is just outrageous. Yeah. Like people are up, just get so upset. Uh, That's why I was like, I I really always wanted to create like a safe space uh, for, um, for art to be made um, by, you know, by good people, obviously not by every single person, but Definitely by women who are interested in telling stories and I wanted to help in any way that I could because I've experienced a lot of times in my life where like a safe space was something that I really, really needed because I felt completely on the outside of what was going on. And part of being an artist is you feel on the outside of everything. You're an observer. So you kind of put yourself there. And so it's like life is happening. Things are happening. People are having fun. People are being lively, they're being extroverted and all these things. And you're there recording all of it because, (laughs) you know, that's, that's then later for you to turn into a cool script or a song or a poem or painting or whatever it is. And so I was always kind of like that person, but I also am a, a ham like bad, you know, because I have no fear of failure or looking stupid or saying the wrong, I'm just not, you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like if all artists were like that, we could get some incredible fucking art, some great stories, some cool movies. And like, I'm a bit of a hypocrite saying that because, you know, I've wanted to be a filmmaker since I was in high school, yeah. but I haven't done it yet because I'm so yeah. afraid. I mean, you know, the fear is an important part of, of what I do. You know, um, I can't tell you how many times I've sat there and gone, like, here. why am I doing this? These people don't really want to be doing this. They're doing it because I'm nice. I'm doing, doing, they're doing it because they, they're my friend and, and they told me they would. But I'm asking too much and who am I to do this? And I should just, this is going to be my last movie and then I'm going to stop. And, you know, because cause what's, the, you know what I mean? <laughs> who do I think I am? Like I have, I have those thoughts, absolutely. And I also like worry about... It's so funny because I have been in front of like a lot of naked and half naked people, both as a photographer 
as a, as a filmmaker and even, you know, in live performance in Rocky Horrors and things like that. Yeah, I did. I had an exhibit of all, all nude photography. And what you can't let people, what people can't possibly know because they're not inside my head is that when I'm making stuff, I am so excruciatingly fixated on technical things going wrong, uh, you know, exposure being wrong, audio not recording, um, things not being in focus, not getting the right angle. I'm so sick to my stomach trying to make things look and sound and do justice to these awesome people that are in front of the camera. The last thing I'm thinking about is, oh, look, boobs. Oh, look, oh, look, a vagina. Oh, look, a butt. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, it is, it's the furthest thing from my mind. If I am thinking about their body it is because it is my responsibility to make sure the body is well represented on screen or in the photo, you know, but that is it. And so <laughs> I don't think, I, yeah, I don't think, I don't think I, I don't think enough, I don't think anybody really knows uh, because I try to make it look easy because I don't want people to think I'm scared because then they'll get scared and they'll second guess and they'll, you know what I mean? So I have to kind of lead in hopes that they will follow. I have to kind of be the example for them. So if I'm joking and having fun and seem relaxed, they're going to joke, have fun and be relaxed too. You know, so the director is the leader and director has to set the temperature and um, that's what I try to do. So I use that fear and that pessimism and that little doubtful voice and all that anxiety. And I just push it through this filter of some of the dumbest jokes you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> the, the dumber my jokes get, the more nervous I am. That's a secret about me. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yes, you can. So I can ask you anything. Oh, man. So I'm going to ask you, what are your some of your favorite moments from Gonzerific film showings? Well, the first public screening we had was at AthFest 2004. Uh, there's an organization called Film Athens led by Kamala Lyons and Danielle. What was her last name at the time? Her name is now Danielle Rusk. And um, I was so like stoked that women were running this thing. And we showed our movie Psycho Vixens, which we made in Athens off of Oak Street in an apartment. Psycho Vixens, which you can watch on YouTube, uh, is about a group of female Satanists that have an apartment together. And um, they they have realized that um, their apartment is the epicenter of evil power, but um, the apartment below them is where like the heart of it all is. The only problem is there's this nerdy guy that works out of his house, so they can't get anything done because they can't be too loud or he's going to complain. So he starts ratting on them, so they start making spells to fuck with him to get him out. Um, it allowed for a lot of Gonzerific's <laughs> early films are very gag based and it allowed for us just to come up with spells, supernatural things that they could do to this guy to f fuck up his life. And it could also, you know, get a, a, a large group of, of female badass uh, Satanists and um, all, all beautiful and all powerful and um, all creative and all different. And, and it was it was a lot of fun to do. The audience for this waited until midnight at the 40 Watt Club, which is a famous rock club in Athens. And I'd always wanted to play there as a musician. I never did, but I have since 
been on the stage time, you know, numerous times with burlesque and all of that. But this was my first time with my art up there and the people just were freaking out. There's a scene where uh, all of them are menstruating at the same time because, you know, they all <laughs> live together. So, they're all kind of on the same cycle there. So, their, their latest spell is a, uh, a uh, like a silver chalice and they each squeeze their tampon out into this goblet, pass it around and then everybody takes a sip of it as well. And I just thought, well, that's great because what could I show men that's going to freak them out? You know, I couldn't do any kind of murder that they've ne they've never seen, or you know, I couldn't orchestrate a scene of suspense or horror as a as an amateur filmmaker. But I could damn sure easily make a horror dudes squirm in their seats by presenting you know something as simple as a body function. You know, so I did. Well, you can make some grown men faint by showing them just a regular unused tampon. <laughs> There, yes, there were, there was discomfort yeah. to say the least, male and female, uh, in the audience, uh, in front of us. And, uh, I just remember thinking like, you know, the cast was there. We were all watching people react to our film for the first time, strangers, because we'd shown our friends our movies for years, but, uh, in a, in a public venue where people had paid to get in, which if it had been my decision, I would have had it been free and they pay to get out. But they, they just, just seeing that reaction, it, it lets you kind of know, it gives you, it lets you know that you've done something right. Now, the, the, the reactions have not always been positive. Um, I've had people get up and leave uh, because they were grossed out. I have had people confront me angrily um, after a screening. Um, so, they haven't, oh, I've had people, <laughs> I had people, uh, drunk women fighting over uh, artwork on the wall after a, after a uh, photography exhibit one time. So there have, yeah, yeah. And, and so, um, you know, it's, it has been interesting, but I, I have to say my, my favorites are just when people uh, come up and say, thank you for, um, for the, the kind of, you know, the feminist overtones and, and for the body positivity and the sex positivity. Um, but my favorite reaction of all time of anything that I've ever done, was um, I have this yes. movie called The Gash, and The Gash is a horror movie, and um, it is about a uh, a cursed object, a cursed uh, Super 8 camera that these two women find when they are cleaning out the personal effects of a deceased uh, relative, and they film each other um, in lingerie with this camera, thinking that it doesn't really work. They're just drunk and they're playing with it. But as it turns out, um, it has some like sinister power and it's very mysterious and I never explain it because explanations are boring. And so, um, at the end, um, blood just begins pouring from between, uh, this one character's legs and it keeps going and going and going and the credits start to roll and it just keeps going and going. And, uh, someone stands up, in the audience and just screams fuck yeah that it was a lady amazing. stood up and screamed fuck yeah at the end it made me really happy you know it made me really happy because i as a teenager and in early 20s i like idolized um riot girl bands uh, those to me were the real punk bands and i saw that reaction uh in, in as an audience member to things that those women would do and say on stage so to get that um you, with our art was that, that was amazing that's like if you could like if you could say ex precisely what you wanted someone to do, 
to have a rock and roll or a punk rock reaction to a movie is pretty much the top for me. That's amazing. I'm really glad you got to experience that. But mostly I, I just thanks. Mostly what I love honestly is just putting all you guys on screen and showing you off to people and watching you be proud of yourselves and watching your friends and family be proud of you. Um, and not getting any praise necessarily or people wanting to meet me after the shows, but watching you guys like hug your buddies and watch strangers come up to you and go, God damn, you were in that movie and you were so good. Thank you. I've seen that more often than anything. So no amount of person standing up and screaming, fuck yeah, at my movie um, could possibly equal um, seeing you guys um, receive the praise that you're due that really um, by your audience. A lot to me. And I'm sure it means a lot to everyone else that has been a part of your has been a part of Gonzalefic. I hope so. I, I can I can sometimes tell. Some people have stuck around. Some people have moved on. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I we were either still together or together for a time. And um, I'll always take comfort in knowing we made the most of it. And I captured them at, uh, if not their best, their best at that time. And, uh, you know, it is now the best moments or our best moments in our relationship and our friendship and as artists and collaborators um, is forever preserved in like the best way possible, which is a walking, yeah, talking medium, you know? So, you know, there's that. And plus, even before I was a parent, I wanted uh, to foster creativity and um, wanted to encourage people to do art and to be their weird selves because that's thankfully the sort of upbringing that I had. And so I want to make sure if there's some weird thing you want to do, as long as it's not going to hurt you or somebody else, you know, let's let it rip. And as far as like, because people have asked me like, why, why so much stuff about, why is there so much body oriented stuff? Why is there so much like, you know, you know, like body part oriented comedy or, you know, why the, why the, why so little clothes? Yeah. My stock answer is it's Georgia and it's always hot. <laughs> but also I was just like, well, I don't believe that there's anything inherently sexual there's about not. bodies or clothes or, you know, so I kind of like messing with that. You know, I like, I like screwing with people's uh, expectations and clearly it works because it's gotten a lot of people angry <laughs> in these reviews, you know. They're just like, I just wanted to see breasts jiggled in my face, you know, <laughs> in order to get me off. I don't want to see like artistic expression or, you know, inverted expectations or subverted expectations or, you know, women raking art or any of this stuff. Or <laughs> I just want to, you know what I mean? Like people, they seem very confused by it, but I don't know. A, a reaction you know, I guess the worst would be no reaction. Yeah, yeah. So, am I am I trying to make them mad? No, but if they're mad, good. You know, it ties back to what we were talking about earlier, the entitlement that a lot of men have with women's bodies. It's really cool to see another man say, hey, like, women's bodies are just something that can exist for no other reason just to exist and to be shown and not to be shown 
for just sexual pleasure, but to be shown because it's beautiful and it's a part of art. It's part of creation. Yeah. And, you know, um, not to absolve them of blame, but we have a culture um, that is built on um, and, you know, a whole advertising industry that is built on uh, sexualizing things, like every single thing, you know. And, you know, to the, to the point where you cannot stand there and eat an ice cream without some dude thinking all kinds of crazy shit about it, you know, where you would not even occur to you that you're doing anything except eating or, you know, wearing anything except what clothes you choose to wear. Um, you know, of course, you've got all these other people that want to tell you, you know, and judge you for it and expect things and think things of you uh, because of it. So, I don't want to add to that. I want to chip away at it. I want to expose it and and uh, and mess with it and show it for the garbage that it is and offer an alternative to that because I feel like if there was more entertainment that was like what I do, then we would kind of minimize that and we would, you know, that would start to kind of go away because things are just always so tipped still toward the, you know, the straight male gaze. And so, you know, I want to like you know, just try to gouge its eyes out a little bit or at least okay, kind of give dude. it a good poke. Be like, you know, <laughs> so, well, you know, cause think about it, the things that people think because of, you know, you dress a certain way, you know, where, you know, or choose to wear this or not wear this or whatever. None of it means anything. It definitely is none of the, the business of some rando, you know, who cares what he thinks. It's not for him or about him. And, I just want to, I would like to change that. So, if I'm doing anything with art, it's that. And um, I have, in terms of horror, uh, I don't make a lot of horror because um, I haven't had, in something I wrote, haven't had a female character be killed on screen um, in probably, I want to say, six years. And that's what a lot of horror is, is just... Maybe longer. Women being killed for no reason other than the pleasure of the viewer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I don't, I don't need to do that. You know, I've, I've had it happen in movies, but I always yeah, felt like always I didn't follow the template or whatever, but I really, yeah, but I yeah. just, I, I realized I didn't want to see it. I just didn't, I didn't want to make it. I didn't want to see it happen. So I'm not, you're, you're not going to see that. I don't think from me anyway. Now, if you wanted to make a movie that had that in it or Christina does or anybody that's in the crew does, you know, by all means, I'll let it rip, you know, because their experience is, is coming out there and I would not want to censor that. I have very few rules in terms of uh, being a movie producer and distributor. Very few rules. Uh, so, but that, I wouldn't impose anything like that on them. Um, I just always say like, if the role yeah. doesn't have to be played by a man, it should not be. And um, no jokes about rape and no jokes about weight. Those are good rules. And that's Those are pretty good much rules it. to have. That's, that's, uh, that's it. That's all I got. You know, other than that, you know, number one rule is have a good time. Be safe. Don't hurt anybody or yourself. Make a good movie, I think, is like rule yeah. number six or seven. <laughs> it's kind of f pretty far down there. <laughs> Like, ah, if we manage to, but let's eat yeah. first. <laughs> yeah. uh, to go on to your podcast, you host a podcast for Athens Banner Herald. What's that like? What are some yeah. of your uh, favorite moments from doing your podcast? Oh, man. Uh, 
you know, it's, it's funny. It was something that was asked of me to do at first and they wanted me to keep them short, you know, five to 10 minutes. And they were all super prepared in the beginning and I would write everything down and it wasn't like totally scripted, but I still had like, you know, words in front of me, titles of movies, things I needed to mention or remember. And I just tried to blast through it as fast as I could and sound as knowledgeable as I could. And when I finally gave up on that was when I got really sick and I just was like, I needed to turn one in because I am, you know, I have to turn one in every week as part of my, of my multimedia content as a, as a content creator. And so I just was like, here it is. I recorded this. I didn't edit or anything. And I just kept making, I just, I was myself. And that to me was, that, that was a breakthrough moment for me at just being myself. And I got such a great response from that. And, um, you know, my editor was like, you know, these don't have to be a certain length. If you don't want, you're, you're the editor. Now I'm not going to cut them up. And I was like, for real. And so, uh, from then on, um, I just enjoyed kind of being me. And now I'm at the point where even my notes for articles, when I brainstorm and just record when I'm in the car, people like those are their favorite things that I do. Yeah. And I, that blows my mind, you know, but my favorite, my favorite moments as a podcaster um, just kind of have to be like, um, it would be easy to say like getting John Waters cell number and being able to call him and talk to him or, or, or like um, sitting down with Linnea Quigley for an hour and getting to talk to her, my favorite scream queen when I was in junior high school, you know, or um, just the opportunities that it has afforded me being a member of the press uh, to have someone like want to talk to me that I'm a fan of because now I've kind of crossed this line where instead of just reading about these people and being a fan of their movies, I am now able to interact with them one-on-one -on -one, um, to the point where uh, Sybil Danning, who was in like the Reform School Girls and Battle Beyond the Stars and The Howling 2, she's like this imposing figure. She always plays like prison wardens and, you know, just badasses and werewolves and just, you know, she does not play weak women ever. And she's an intimidating person. And I can remember like, you know, going to her panel and not like, you know what I mean? Like being afraid to, I was not going to approach her. I was going to wait and go to her table and get her autograph. Her panel ends. I'm talking to a friend of mine and Sybil Danny like walks up and wants to meet me because of the question that I asked at the panel. I just, my mind was blown. I have so many stories like that, but I have to say, I think my favorite thing is this. Um, I get an email from a woman who had taken a uh, cult film studies course in college, and she had heard me as a guest on someone else's podcast talking about the film Pass Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Uh, starring Haji, Lori Williams, and Tura Satana, directed by Russ Meyer. And uh, she liked the theory that I posited about that film so much. She wrote me, wanted to give me some of the essays she'd written in her cult film class and see what I thought of the essays. I was like, dude, let's talk. Let's like, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought someone was putting me on. Are you kidding me? Oh, I thought someone was messing with me. Things like this just don't happen. And um, her name was Kate Owens. And uh, Kate, Kate and I ended up doing a long-running, still-going podcast series together called Cult Core. Yeah, I listen to that all the time. And um, that was in, I think, our first conversation. Yeah, our first conversation was about the film Maleficent, which I feel is a uh, rape-revenge movie by Disney. Not a bad thing. 
<laughs> not a bad thing, <laughs> but definitely interesting territory for a children's film. But um, yeah, to talk about that and we just end up, she made this giant Google doc full of movies that she wanted to either see or that she'd seen and needed to talk about. And um, to this day, yeah, we, uh, we do one, uh, one a month and it's her creation. It's her show. I just sort of, you know, a participant. That I think is my, the greatest thing because here's a stranger, not a friend of mine that I asked to come on the show, not a famous person that I had initiated contact with or had a press release to get in contact with or that my editor assigned me to, but an honest to goodness, like smart person <laughs> who thought I was smart. You are smart. <laughs> I don't know if you... Why well, I, I just I have a I, I have a thing because yeah, I'm a college dropout and so I'm I'm not everybody always so am I see everybody always assumes that I got a degree somewhere and I'm like nope I just read a lot and wrote a lot and that's <laughs> that's where I am so uh, and I have very little practical knowledge um, all my knowledge is basically like movie based and I know a lot of Public Enemy lyrics but that's about it so as as a podcaster that was a wonderful wonderful thing. And uh, I just, I think about every day how incredible that thing is. But, you know, truthfully, it just goes to show you how um, reaching out is always a good idea. Taking a chance is always a good idea. And uh, listening to women is is definitely in your best interest because I don't know where I'd be now if I had not been interested in listening to women and hearing their ideas and then taking action based on them. Thank you so much so okay. much for being here tonight and taking time out of your schedule to come and talk with me. I appreciate it so, so much. It's been a pleasure, man. Yeah. And an honor to be the first interview. I hope it went well enough. <laughs> it went beyond well. That's a wrap. Thank you everyone for listening to my interview with Andrew Shearer. You can find him on Instagram and Twitter, both at Gonzarific and at Cinema Andrew. You can also listen to him on the Cinemaphile podcast available on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like us, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, we're at TEU Podcast. On Instagram, we are at the Extra Unordinary. And also come to our website, extraunordinary.com. We are available on Podbean, soon to be on Google Play and Stitcher. Thank you so, so much for listening. Have a great night.